0: Good morning and welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I hope you're doing well and have had a good week. I think the weather has been a little bit more pleasant and not quite so hot, and it seems like uh, we're moving towards having fall. Clint has been in New York City all week, and I'm supposed to go and pick him up, um, from the train in Jessup on Sunday morning at seven thirty. so by the time you see this he should be back in Waycross and um, he hopes to be at the 11 o'clock service on Sunday he's had a good trip with our mission agency that we work with and talking about reaching all sorts of people around the country who um, are not followers of the gospel. Turkish people and um, Iranians, Chinese, um, Africans of of different tribes and all sorts of other people. And so it's been a good week for him to meet with other people and make plans and strategies. So we're starting a new study this uh, week and that is the book of colossians colossians follows right after philippians that we just finished studying and colossians is another letter from paul to uh, the colossians or the church at Colossae. i guess that's the way you say it and so again we get a, a personal letter written by paul in which he shares teachings of the church and um, important truths about God and about Jesus. And you may remember that we've said these letters were, you know, basically all the teachings that they had at the time. They did not have written the written New Testament like we have it, the Gospels, um, you know, were perhaps not even written down at the time that Paul wrote this, or maybe they were written and being circulated, but it was definitely not in a form like we have it. We're very fortunate to have all the teachings in one place. But Paul had studied and knew and um, was sharing then with the new churches the teachings of the gospel and so that they would be on the right track with the things that they believed. And so let's get started then in the book of Colossians. Our lesson today is going to start with verse 9. So the first eight verses, I'm not going to read them all, but I want I would like for you to read them as I did and um, you'll see that Paul is greeting them like the beginning of a letter that you would do. And so, greeting the members of the church at at Colossae. And then, also, um, we learn within that, that Paul probably has not visited these people personally, because he mentions that they learned the gospel from someone called Epaphras. And so... As Epaphras, and we don't know um, where he learned the gospel, but then he carried it and shared it to these people, and they believed, and they have formed a church. And so Paul, you know, is saying from the very first day that we found out that um, you had followed the gospel, we've been praying for you, which is something that you would say in a letter. And so you can see that it's very personal, again, um, even though he has not met them. And so let's pick up now at verse 9 and go forward. So verses 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God so these are his hopes for the the church um and of course he reemphasizes that they thank God for them and they've been praying for them and he says um you know These are the things that they pray or that they are asking in prayer uh, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they'll be strong spiritually and know God's will for what they should be doing. Um, That you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And we talked something about that in previous lessons about walking in a manner worthy of of the the Lord and the Christian lifestyle to please him in all respects and bearing fruit in every good work so um you know not only to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord but also to bear fruit and bearing fruit would could be um, acts of uh, righteousness or Things that they might do to show their Christian faith, but also bearing fruit in the sense of bringing others to Jesus Um, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So I think a part of what Paul is going to do here then is to, um, you know, say some things that are going to help them increase in their knowledge of God of who God is let's go on then and read verses 11 and 12 strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light you know, so he's now he's using some you know church phrases there. I guess you might say, um, but he wants them. He's this is a part of a long sentence. You know, Paul makes some very long sentences sometimes. So he's still talking about the things he prays for them. He so he's also praying that they will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. And of course, steadfastness means, you know, sticking to it, um, continuing with the gospel that they had followed and being, being sure that it's a real thing and that they stick with it. And then patience, you know, as they, um, you know, anytime a person is a new believer, There are things in their life they have to lay down. And it takes patience. It takes some patience to lay those things down and to begin to live the Christian life. And then he says, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And, of course, the inheritance of the saints is um you know the eternal life that god brings to us as we follow him and as jesus lives in our heart and he was saying that you know he we are qualified to share in that inheritance um both paul and the the colossian church okay now let's go on to verses 13 and 14 For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So here he's beginning now to talk about um, who Jesus is and the attributes of Jesus of God and how it all works together so let's uh let's break down these two verses it says he rescued us from the domain of darkness and it reminded me of that verse that um we hear sometimes where it says where um jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it you know when we uh Sometimes, I, you know, I, I have thought uh, before I really, li- you know, paid attention to that verse. I was thinking more like the, the evil world prevailing against Christians. But that's not really what that verse says, is it? It says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So if you can visualize it that way. We as Christians enter the gates of hell, um, according to God's will, and bring out those who are in the in the darkness. There, you know. So the gates will not prevail against us. That we can go right in and bring people out, and the devil really can't do anything about it. Um, and of course he tries doesn't he you know it's not a it's not an easy thing and you think about going into the gates of hell um, you know to get somebody I mean (laughs) that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a joy ride would it Um, and so he has rescued us from the domain of darkness Paul says so Paul you know views himself and others everyone as living in the domain of darkness until he was rescued uh, by Jesus and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins and so it's not enough to be brought out of the domain of darkness Um, that would be wonderful but that's not enough is it if you if you've come out of darkness you've got to be somewhere and being transferred then into the kingdom of his beloved son of God's beloved son so he he's talking about you see in verse 12 he says giving thanks to the father and that's who he's talking about when he says he the father rescued us and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son so now in this section Paul is going to talk about God and Jesus um, and the way that that relationship works. Okay. Now let's go on to verses 15 and 16. He is the image. Now he's talking about the son because he says he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He, Jesus is. Is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Okay, now this is very uh, important concept he says that first of all he refers to the the incarnation he says jesus is the image of the invisible god and we know that in other places in the bible it says god is a spirit and it says no man has seen him and things like that so we have talked about the incarnation before how jesus came so that we could see and hear the things that god wanted us to know uh, because mankind just was not understanding everything and so jesus came in order for us to be able to have someone to look at and hear in a human form uh to to tell people this is the way that you relate to god this is This is what God's intentions are and many other things that he taught them. And so, this first part then, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Now, when he talks about firstborn, you know in the Bible, the firstborn child, the firstborn animal or whatever. The firstborn is always special. And so... Um, What Paul is saying is that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. In other words, he came before creation. He was born, um, if you can imagine it, before creation was born. And then it says in verse 16, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So he is he is declaring Jesus to be the creator of the um, of everything, dominions, powers, and all things. And so, you know, we. At that point, now we get back to the, you know, trying to understand how, where God ends and Jesus begins. And we realize there's not an end or a beginning to that. It is, it's altogether one thing, you know, that God and Jesus are one. But Jesus was in the creation of the world he created. And these, everything that was created is Through him and for him. Okay, um, and let's go on and talk about that a little more in verses 17 and 18. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come. To have first place in everything okay so in verse 17 he's still talking about uh, Jesus being before all things he was in the beginning with God as John says in chapter 1 of that um, gospel and in him all things hold together now that is an important statement and There was an interesting um, video that I saw some years ago. Some of you may have seen it, where a person, I, I can't even remember now who it was that did that video. But he was talking about how every atom in the universe is held together by an invisible force that's there. And he described it in much greater detail than I can do. And how if that invisible force was not there, if it were removed, the whole universe would just explode or expand into individual atoms immediately. And so he was talking in that video in making reference to this verse um, where... Paul says, in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. So, it is, um, it's important, even if we don't think about that video and the atoms, to realize that the way that we live, our society, the things that happen on earth, whether by nature, hurricanes, volcanoes, or whatever, or um, the rise and fall of nations, um, or our daily lives, all of those things are held together by Jesus, he has control, you know, he created all things, including dominions, rulers, and authorities. And then um, it it goes on. Then now, so Paul is teaching. Now he's teaching to these new believers exactly who Jesus is and how he relates to God. You know how it all works, and hopefully they could understand it even better than we can. You know because they had firsthand knowledge. You know Paul was was there to speak with the disciples to hear all the things that jesus may have said because of course all the things jesus said are not written down you know there was so much and so the teachings of the church came from the disciples and you know as paul also had studied the scriptures extensively before he even became a believer then he puts it all together and so he says now in verse 18 He talks about more attributes of Jesus. He is the head of the body, the church. And there are other scriptures, you know, that describe that in more detail. But Jesus is the head of the church. The church being the body of believers. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So, he came back to life. And lives with God sits at the right hand of the Father it says in Scripture to show us dominion even over death so Jesus has complete dominion over creation all the way to the grave and beyond that um, is kind of what Paul is saying okay now let's go let's continue to verses 19 and 20 he is also head of the I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Okay, so here in these two verses paul is talking about how god um, it was god's pleasure to allow uh, all the everything to hinge on jesus i guess you might say and that through jesus all things are reconciled to the father so that gives us a picture of how we become a Christian because we can't just go straight to God and approach God God is perfect and there's no way that we could become perfect enough to just go straight to God we have to go we have to have a mediator and that is our Lord Jesus Christ who mediates between us and and the Father to cause us to be able to be Christians and that <clears throat> is the most important thing that we must you know we have to learn uh, before becoming a Christian that we can't do it on our own and that Jesus has to stand in that gap to make it possible you know for us to reach heaven one day and to be Christians and he also refers to um, everything being reconciled through Jesus. So, you know, some of those things, have they all been reconciled up to now? Or is, are there future things to be, continue to be reconciled? You know, there's, a, there's a, a vague reference there. And we don't know all of those things. We would get into speculation if we tried to imagine what Paul was thinking on that part. All right, now let's read the last three verses, verse 21 to 23, and we're going to stop there because the next lesson begins in verse 24. So in verse 21, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Again, you know, another long sentence. But he refers to the fact that the, the Colossians were formerly alienated and, and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. And he doesn't spell those out here, but he has some knowledge, it seems, of how they were before they turned to Jesus, how they were before they became Christians. And then, again, he talks about um, how Jesus has reconciled them to the Father to present you before him holy and blameless. So, that is what Jesus does. You know, Jesus brings us to the Father and presents us and says, Here is Harriet Bowman holy and blameless even though i know that i'm not either holy or blameless you know i have many sins but jesus then makes it right by his blood and that is the picture of salvation is how jesus does that and then of course paul refers to the fact that if they you know continue in the faith and are firmly established in it Um, and not moving away from the hope of the gospel so you know it that i guess you might we might just throw in there you know that it's not enough to hear about jesus or to hear about salvation you must believe and follow and jesus must come into your heart so it's a it's a head knowledge of jesus and then it becomes a heart knowledge of Jesus when you you really turn your heart over to Jesus so it's not enough just to have that head knowledge I mean even the devil knows who Jesus is right but you must have that heart knowledge Jesus must come it's a spiritual connection when Jesus comes to live in our heart so we'll leave it there for today and um we hope to hear the good news from Clint when he gets back from um, his, his journey. And I look forward to um, seeing you all on Sunday if you can make it to church. And if not, then I know you'll be watching. And I appreciate you being a member of our class um, as we study together.